Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Hello and welcome to this week's show. In my last show, I presented you with part one of an interview that I set up with my friend, Erdie Geller. In tonight's show, I will be offering part two of that amazing interview in the second half of the show. In the first part of the show, I am going to share with you some of my personal experiences and expertise on the theory and use of pendulums and divining rods. However, before we start this show, I would like to offer a special thanks to my new friend, Zahira, for illuminating new information that will help me open new doors in my research. You are truly a gift sent from above, my friend, and this song is for you.
excited to talk with you today about one of my favorite topics and fields of expertise, which is the theory and use of pendulums and divining rods. I've been using both uh, pendulum and divining rods since about oh, 1968. <laughs> well, uh, saying that really makes me feel old, but, but it's true. It all started one hot summer day when I was riding my bicycle down Old Woman Spring Road in my hometown of Yucca Valley, California, where I grew up. I would often make the hard, slow ride up the road that rose about 900 feet above the desert floor. Then, after looking over the valley and taking in the grandeur and beauty of the high desert vistas that stretched for a hundred miles, and catching my breath, too, I would lift my feet and start silently gliding down the straight, steep hill building speed with every second of descent. About halfway down, I estimated that my speed was approaching 50 miles an hour, and I would uh, always uh, start to chicken out at that point, hitting the brakes to control the speed before I reached the base of the valley and major highway intersection. However, on this day I found my sense of adventure compelling me to wait a bit longer before hitting the brakes and see just how fast I really could fly. Well, about a hundred yards past the point where I normally would start braking, my bike started to vibrate and I thought my uh, front tire might blow. So I started applying the brakes only to find that they were heating up and heating up so fast that they stopped working completely. I thought to myself, I'm gonna die as I kept trying to use the brakes again and again. When I finally realized that a crash was inevitable, I started scanning the roadside in Chaparral before me to find the least painful point of impact. It was at that moment that my eyes captured a scene that was so odd and surreal that I thought perhaps I was dreaming. About 150 yards ahead of me there was a Department of Water and Power truck parked beside the road and off to the left of the road was a man walking with his arms stretched straight out in front of him walking beside a wash like a zombie, or what you might think of when someone is sleepwalking. In a timeless moment, I pondered if what I was seeing was real, and then in a flash I was airborne. It seems that while mesmerized by the strange behavior of the man walking beside the wash, I drifted across the road and over the embankment toward the man. While airborne, everything seemed to be in slow motion. I sailed over the desert terrain, dodging Joshua trees, sage bushes, and rocks until I finally came to an abrupt stop when I hit the soft sand in the wash and flew over my bike and handlebars, landing flat on my back in the sand. 
for those of you who may not be familiar with the term wash, a wash is a natural runoff area for floodwaters that often occur during a heavy rainstorm. They are usually carved out of the desert floor anywhere from 1 foot to 15 feet deep with soft sandy bottoms. Luckily for my bottom, I landed right in the middle of this main wash at the bottom of the valley. I laid there for a moment, waiting to see if I was alive or dead, when I heard the man I had seen before yelling at me asking if I was okay. He ran over to the crash site, and after we both decided I was intact with nothing damaged, he helped me to my feet. Since my uh, front wheel was bent almost in half, he also offered to give me a ride home as soon as he was finished uh, surveying the area. I sat there watching him walk like a zombie, like I had seen just before my crash, but what I had not seen was that he was holding two metal rods bent at 90 degree angles, and as he walked, they swayed and jiggled a bit, and then suddenly crossed dramatically. Right uh, at that point, he would stop and make a notation in this little black notebook he had. This went on for a few minutes, and I finally had to ask him what he was doing. He said he was mapping the water table of that area of the valley so that they could drill a new well. By this time, I was getting a little nervous because I was sure that the Department of Water and Power had more scientific and accurate methods of finding water than, and this guy must be suffering from heat exhaustion or something. When he finally finished his work, I asked him about the rods. He showed me how to use them, holding them loosely so that they could move on their own. He said to think of water, cool, clear water, which was easy since it was about 90 degrees outside and I was very thirsty. Suddenly, as I walked, the rods seemed to move on their own so abruptly that it startled me, and the man told me that I was very close to water. I still was not convinced, so he took a shovel and dug about three feet in the soft sand, and at that point the sand started getting wet. That became the beginning of a lifelong interest in divining. He instructed me how to build my own divining rods out of coat hangers, and then took me home. Let me tell you, for the next two weeks, I started to get the re reputation of a crazy boy up the street as I walked up and down the streets near my home locate, uh, locating all the water mains of my neighbors and following the pipes with my divining rods right to the people's houses. Then, coincidentally, about the same time, a friend of my parents gave me a game that would forever change my life. It was made by Milton Bradley and, and called Kreskin's ESP. In it were Zener cards, which are used by parapsychologists to measure and test the person's ESP abilities. And um, there was also a, a large white plastic pendulum that was supposedly used to answer questions from the spirit world or perhaps my own subconscious mind. To top the game off was a large playing board with a layout of letters and numbers intended to be used much like a Ouija board. I spent the rest of the summer learning how to use the pendulum and tested everybody I knew for ESP abilities to the point where I was rapidly becoming a nuisance. So I I backed off other people a bit and spent hours day after day working with the pendulum, finding what worked and what didn't. 
My interest in parapsychology blossomed as a result of this game, and I am indebted to Kreskin for enlightening my world. And Kreskin, if you're out there listening, thank you. During the years that followed, I became very adept at using the pendulum and divining rods to the point where I could locate just about any item I could think of, including lost items. Over the years, I I learned a lot of secrets, as well as do's and don'ts about the world of pendulum and divining rod dowsing, some of which I will share with you now. Let's start with divining rods. There are several types of divining rods on the market today, uh, made from different materials and in different shapes and forms. All of them work. Some may be better than others, but unless you are very serious dowser and uh, you want to get the very best divining rods you can probably make a set yourself out of uh, an old metal coat hanger. Most coat hangers today are made of plastic and no that will not work. Once you find a couple of metal ones you should cut the wire so that you end up with about two 12 inch sections. Now measure back about three inches from one end and bend the rods at a sharp 90 degree angle. That's all there is to it. You now have two very basic and yet powerful divining rods. Now comes the fun part. I have found the best and most comfortable way to use the divining rods is to hold them firmly enough to keep them parallel to the ground and yet loose enough to allow them to pivot in your hands. They should be grafts one in each hand making a loose fist with your thumbs on top similar to the way you would hold an ice cream cone. The longer part of the wire should be resting on your curved index finger pointing away from your body. Now comes the tricky part. Contrary to what a lot of people believe, divining rods are not sensitive to water or metal pipes or anything for that matter. Divining rods are just tools to be used as an indicator for our subconscious mind. I was a bit disillusioned when I discovered this fact. It was like learning how a magician does a cool trick. The magic of the event was gone. But then when I started thinking about it, I became even more excited than before as I realized the implications and scope of this realization. If it was the mind that was controlling the rods, then the possibilities suddenly became infinite. You see, the motion of the rods in your hands are created by what parapsychologists call idiomotor responses, which are small neuromuscular signals sent by your subconscious mind that tense and relax the muscles in your arms and hands so as to cause the movements uh, at the desired spot or moment. In fact, it is you moving the rods, not some mysterious force from beyond. Why then do these rods continue to work so well and so accurate in the right hands? It is because the dowser, which is the person using them, is sending out signals or scanning the location subconsciously with their own psychic abilities. Once your mind locates the target, it triggers the idiomotor responses to alert you consciously with the desired movement of the rods. The real secret 
to using these type of divining tools is not the tool but rather the state of mind of the dowsers. After decades of use and a few learned secret techniques from my shamanic teacher, I have developed the following dowsing technique that is guaranteed results. Before you begin, sit for about three minutes with your eyes closed, taking slow, deep breaths in, and then hold it for five seconds before slowly exhaling. When you exhale, use the air to vibrate a tone much the way that monks do when chanting. While you're doing this tuning exercise, picture in your mind exactly what you are going to look for and see it in your mind from different perspectives and angles. Imagine holding it and how it feels to the touch. Now you're ready to start dowsing or divining for the object. Hold the rods as described above and pull your elbows against the sides with your arms pointing outwards. Now raise your gaze above the rods to the horizon if possible and do not focus on any one point. You will be using peripheral vision seeing all and yet nothing by doing this. This is a Toltec technique known as not doing and it is intended to do one thing quiet your mind. If you're going to get accurate results you have to shut down your internal dialogue. That's the endless chatter that goes on inside your heads constantly. Only then will your subconscious mind be free to explore and communicate with the conscious mind. If you have trouble doing this try taking your eyes slightly out of focus by very slightly crossing them and keep repeating in your mind the image of what you're looking for. Do not ever think about the rods or when they will cross indicating the location of the desired target. Think only of the target and keep your gaze to the horizon. You will find that after a bit of practice this starts to become second nature and uh, gets easier with time. Pendulums work very similar to a divining rod, except they can give you a lot more information and are better suited for asking questions. The same is true for the operation of the pendulum that was just explained for the divining rods. The pendulum moves as a result of idiomotor responses from the subconscious mind. The main difference with the pendulum is that it has a wider range of actions for communicating with the subconscious mind and it is not restricted in time and space as are the rods. You can douse through time uh, asking questions about the future, the past, and the present. You can also ask questions about a lost object without having to be at the location of the object. You can even use a map and dows by association. With a pendulum you can mark out letters and numbers in a semicircle on paper and have answers spelled out to you in the form of words and numbers. This last statement may have you wondering why pendulum dowsers do not use these skills to douse for winning lottery numbers and stock market trends. Well the answer is they do. 
You would be surprised at how many pendulums are used daily on Wall Street. Lottery numbers are picked by thousands of people weekly using pendulums. I myself have won many smaller lottery prizes using my pendulums, especially the pendulum that we offer for sale in our eBay store at Sacred Soils. This particular pendulum is unique in the pendulum world in that it produces its own energy fields and connects to the subconscious mind on a different level than the standard idiomotor connections. The pendulum is called the Zero Point Vortex Pendulum and is available for anyone who wishes to experiment further. You might also wonder why I have not won a multi-million dollar Powerball jackpot with uh, this pendulum and that indeed is a very good question. To answer it, this question is, uh, is a bit hard to explain in uh, simple terms, but if you see the fabric of space and time as a curved surface and picture the winning lottery numbers on the event horizon, then using a pendulum to predict them seems easy. But the fact is that with millions of minds focusing on this single event horizon, something unexpected starts to happen. The outcome of the event starts to change as if being influenced or pushed by all the psychic attention. As the event approaches, the degree of change increases so that what you predicted with the pendulum even moments before have now effectively been altered. It is a principle involve, involving hyperdimensional physics and is a bit hard to explain or grasp. I hope I have shed some light on the subject. That is why I shoot for the small outcomes and enjoy the smaller but more frequent winnings because there's not as many people focusing on that event. Everyone's focusing for the major win. Using the pendulum employs exactly the same techniques as the divining rod, except you should experiment with the pendulum you choose by asking questions that you know the answer to and watching the action and movements of the pendulum. The reason is that I have found that pendulums do not react the same way for all people. Some people start with a stationary pendulum, arm resting on the elbow, and then watch for different types of movements to indicate yes, no, uncertain, or swing in a particular arc indicating to follow a particular direction. Other people use a pendulum that is in motion at all times and watch for changes in motion. Sometimes yes for one person is a no movement for another. So take some time and, and get to know your pendulum before you start. The information I have given you in this show only scratches the surface of pendulum and, and uh, divining rod dowsing. There are many more techniques and types of equipment available for this fascinating science and hobby. Many treasure hunters today use these tools. In fact, a large majority of the people that have been buying our zero-point vortex pendulum are prospectors looking for gold and other hidden treasures. We have sold many of them to opal hunters in Australia who have had some pretty amazing results. I will be offering some more information on these subjects as well as some new and exciting dousing products 
to help train your mind to see and be silent. So please visit us at www.sacredsoils.com for more information on the subject. Remember this important secret about dowsing. Silence of the mind is golden. And now, before we get into the second part of the interview with Yurdi Geller, I'm going to give you a break and let your minds cool down a bit while we kick up some dust with Into the Night by Santana. It was easy to tell It was love from above That could save me from hell She had fire in her soul It was easy to see How the devil himself Could be pulled out of me There were drums in the air As she started to dance Every soul in the room Keeping time with her hands And we sang Tell how we felt from the look on our faces We were spinning in circles with the moon in our eyes No room left to move in between you and I We forgot where we were and we lost track of time And we sang to the wind as we danced through the night And we sang
Part two of the interview with Yurdy Geller and Ghostly Talk. Okay. Tell me, where is this show emanating from? Are you in, in your, is it an office, is it a studio, or is it your home? Uh, it's kind of a, a, a combination of all three of those, Yuri. <laughs> okay, and where are you exactly based near which big city? Detroit, Michigan. But so you are in Detroit. We're about a, we're about two or three miles away from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, we're great. Just, I had I had very dear friends in Detroit. Um, I don't know if you you remember Max Fisher. Oh yeah, kidding oh, yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, and Mary Fisher, who um, is also a friend, and um, as you know, she has AIDS, mm-hmm. and she actually talked about it on from the White House, and she really helped thousands of people who have AIDS. She's a great, great person. So I spent quite a long time in Detroit. And were you all born there, or where are you all from? We were basically all born here. We're yeah, all natives yeah. of Detroit. Born and raised in the Detroit area, mm-hmm. yeah. This is where we're all from. And may I ask you all how old you are? Scott, how old are you? Um, I am 30. And Doug? I'm 38. And Will? 26. And what made you all get together and create a show like this? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it's interesting because yeah, yeah. it started out that um, uh, there, there wasn't that much. But this was four or five years yeah, ago. Yeah, this is a long time ago. Uh, there wasn't that much on the Internet. I mean, there was a lot on the Internet. There were ghost stories. There were sounds. There were pictures. But there wasn't met much multimedia. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you could download some shows and things like that, but they were the, they were the nas- nationally and internationally produced shows. Yes. They weren't anything like by hobbyists or, or, you know, just people who were out there doing ghost hunts and things like that. Yeah. And I had gotten into ghost hunting, and that's how I met Scott L. So I had met him maybe three times. And I said, you know what I want to do? I want to get together with you, and and we will sit in at the time in my basement. Yeah. Uh, we've moved since then. But yeah. we, we'd sit in my, uh, in my basement, and we will just talk for an hour about ghosts and ghost hunting and anything paranormal, and we'll tape it and we'll put it on the internet. Well, since then, we've gotten a little bit better. We've gotten, gotten, uh, you know, people like to listen to us, and and so we're live on the internet. Um, We can, uh, we're also live on several radio stations. Uh, care of uh, Omni Sound. Omni Sound, yes. And we're so, so we're we're live all over the place. And it's amazing. Really- well, I'll tell you what I will do on my radio show, which I do every Saturday, mm-hmm. which goes out coast to coast in the United States mm-hmm. in 430 markets. Yes, it does. Um, I will plug your show <laughs> and your station. Thank you, Thank you very much, Yuri. So Thank make you sure you much. email me the exact. Um, you know, you are website on. where people can hear it. Yeah, for, Excellent. definitely, for sure. I mean, we and, um, you know, also with my show, I met Doug Steffen, who is the main producer and and um, presenter, who, who was actually a farmer. He lives in Boston. Uh, I met him 11 years ago in Los Angeles when I was promoting one of my books. Um, it was called Uri Geller's Mind Power Kit. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about the paranormal. He was then on one of the big LA shows, and we had hundreds of callers. 
And Doug realized, my God, he said, this is interesting stuff, uh, the paranormal, ghosts, apparitions, UFOs, pyramid energy. And um, we became friends, and ever since then, every Saturday, uh, 10.30 local time here in England, mm -hmm. I'm on with him for half an hour, and um, that's very early morning in New York, and it's uh, late at night in uh, California. Mm -hmm. But we have, you know, Doug's show is the seventh largest radio show in the United States. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so I've been around for a long time. I've done Howard Stern and... You know, um, George Nuri, because his show is also amazingly big. We, we got to uh, we got to go on Coast to Coast with George. Back in August, we were back, back in, in August. Coast we Coast were physically in the studio with him, so we got to really? meet him in person. Well, yeah. The logistics was amazing. You want to talk about synchronicity and things happening for a reason, Yuri? It just happened to work out. Well, I also bugged them a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, they happened to be broadcasting live um, at the OnStar building here in Detroit, Michigan, one night. They, they, they go around the country sometimes. And I just happened to hear this one night when I was listening to the show. And, I, I mean, to, after I heard that, I'm like, well, you know, that'd be great. And we managed it. We were able. They were nice enough to let us come on there and talk about, talk about what we do on the show and as ghost hunters and stuff like that. So we've been on there. It's an amazing show. George Norris is an amazing George is too. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and, and all those shows are, are amazing. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've, they're really helping this, this whole uh, paranormal yep. awareness thing. And I think people, do you think people are becoming more aware of the paranormal and their spirituality, or are we losing it over time, or is it about the same yes. as the 60s? I think that there is a, a huge thrust towards um, the quest of discovery, you know, find yourself, who am I, how can I better my life, and, um, you know, from the paranormal, um, it, now it's spirituality, people are getting closer to um, God, they want to experience the power of prayer. Uh, people want to um, learn how to be positive thinkers. Again, how to be motivated and inspired. Um, people want, again, to better their spiritual life. And if they can do that, then they can also better their physical life and um, their financial life, their financial situation, their work, relationship. Mm. Um, but, but still, you've got television shows constantly, whether it's on, about angels or UFOs uh, or mysteries of the universe. You know, big studios and movies, studios capitalize on the interests of, of people. I mean, look at Steven Spielberg. Look how many years ago he did E.T., Third Encounters. Uh, I, I, unbelievable then, you know, who thought of, you know, making a big studio movie about extraterrestrial contact. Today, you hear about individuals who tell you, oh, I've been abducted, you know, there's some kind of a tool that was, um, you know, injected into my brain. You hear the, the most bizarre stories, yet coming from logical people who, some of them are scientists. Mm -hmm. Some of them, you know, you know, are teachers in universities, and they say, yeah, I, I do believe in it. Um, again, remember, the skeptics are a tiny, tiny minority. They're basically uh, they're non-existent, because who wants to be a skeptic in today's world? I want to be a believer. I want to be a, an open-minded person, and so do you.
And if you're an open-minded man or woman, then you're allowing that positive force to touch your soul faster than someone who says, oh, I'm, I, I, I don't want to believe in that. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. I, I believe in nothing. That's a negative person. And a negative person will find their lives negative and more difficult to, to live in. Well, I always tell people, you know, we, you know, especially what we do now on the show, we come in contact with a lot of people every week here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I've talked to, friends or stuff like that, anything in the past, I, they, I, they look at their life and they go, oh, God, you know, my life's a mess. I can't stand this. I, I hate, they're angry, they're angry. And I, and I always like to tell people, I'm like, look, look at yourself really, really close. Honestly, look at yourself. Don't rationalize things. Don't don't make excuses for yourself. Look at your life and see the problems that you have and realize the majority of them you've created yourself. <laughs> you've created the majority of them yourself. And you can fix those things. You can fix that stuff. That's cool. But a lot of people, I think, spend more time trying to make excuses for themselves and blame other people or blame other things and to really look closely into themselves and go, you know what, maybe I'm the problem here. Maybe I should fix this thing. Maybe I should take responsibility for myself. Or... Or people create problems that don't really exist yet. They, they, they don't sleep at night because they build and they amplify a worry that will never really come into their lives. But they build on it and they say, oh, wow, how terrible. This is going to happen to me. What, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose my house. I'll, I'll lose my job. And it's not there at all. You know, and I keep telling, you know, I get about 300 emails a day, so you can imagine the interesting emails that I read and answer. I answer every email. Uh, So anyone who emails me, and my email address is on my website, which I'll just mention again, urigeller.com. I tell them, you know, cross the bridge when that problem comes. You know, today positive thinking is, 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 is a skill for stress relief. You know, stress management requires a positive perspective, knowing how to turn pessimism into optimism. Many people are so pessimistic, and you can, you can um, test them very quickly. And it's like, you know, is your glass half empty or half full? Mm-hmm. How, how do you answer this question? And how you answer this question may reflect on your outlook on life and whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. And in fact, studies show that these personality traits, optimism and pessimism, can actually affect how well you live and even how long you live. This is why I I started the program by telling you that people who pray, people who have faith, people who meditate, people who do yoga, uh, are people who will live longer, have less disease, and will be happier people. And self-talk is very, very important. What is self-talk? It is the endless stream of thoughts that run through your head every day. Think about it. You constantly self-talk. You're constantly running ideas and thoughts in your mind. These automatic thoughts can be positive or negative. Now, if the thoughts that run through your head are mostly negative, then your outlook on life is likely to be pessimistic. And if your thoughts are mostly positive, you're likely an optimist. So my advice to all our listeners is to 
trigger a positive pattern of thought. And you can do that every morning when you wake up, when you get out of bed, like, you know, you, you automatically go to the bathroom and wash your teeth. You've got to program your mind. And it takes you seconds. You say, hey, today I'm going to have a great day. Today will be a good, successful day for me. Today I'm going to have fun. Today positive things are going to happen to me. So what you're doing really is you're programming your mind to attract those positive events during the day. And, and you know that researchers continue to explore the effects of optimism on, on health. The health benefits of optimism may provide are enormous. You know, they can decrease stress. Uh, you can have greater resistance to catching the common cold, a sense of well-being and improved health in general. It can go even to extremes like reduce uh, risk of coronary and artery disease. I mean, it's amazing. Ask any doctor and he will tell you, if you are facing an operation or if you are after an operation, if you are a positive thinker, you will heal faster. Yes. And, I, and I think you know that I'm, I'm talking basically common sense. Well, and that, we tell people this as far as health goes. You know, it, it, it scares me half to death I, what I see going on, especially in America today, Yuri. It's that it seems as it just the, the basic common neck pain or anything. I just had a bad neck pain this week, for example. Um, it was killing me. But luckily, we have, we have our own special ghostly talk masseuse who comes in here and rubs us down and takes care yeah. of us. Um, she actually helped me with my neck, and, and it was really nigh up, and there was a lot of muscle there. But not once in my mind, and I have trained my mind, I have programmed my mind to do this, Yuri. When I have a pain, when I'm not feeling good, when I am under the weather, so to say, I don't run for the pill bottle. I don't run for drugs. I don't run straight to drugs. There are so many people out there when they, when as soon as they have the most, just something that seems just a little off center for them, they run straight for the drugs. And well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you know that the power of the mind over the body is one of the more remarkable aspects of human existence? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you you will agree with me. Until recently, this phenomenon was dismissed as nothing more than what mysticism. Uh, by skeptics and West, even Western scientists. But now, science is providing clinical evidence that the mind can indeed have an influence on bodily fun function. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this comes, I think this uh, experiment was conducted at Stanford uh, University. That's uh, actually where I was tested 35 years ago mm -hmm. in California. This, this um, test showed that patients in chronic pain can use mental exercises to reduce their physical suffering uh, through a technique known as neurofeedback. And this has been validated under, you know, rigorous scientifically controlled conditions. And I think this, is, this will be the future. Now, once again, I'm not saying no way am I saying to abandon conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. Of course not. Mm -hmm. But parallel with conventional medicine, you must believe that your mind can heal. You know, I built a pyramid in my garden 
and I, I think we are coming very closely to the end of the show now. But I built a pyramid in my garden um, where I invite terminally ill children seven, eight times a year. Now, beside the spoon bending and entertaining them, which is a great placebo effect, then I tell them, look, you all know what you have because these, these kids are not stupid, you know some of them know that they're dying mm -hmm. and I tell them you can definitely fight your disease with the power of self-belief faith and positive thinking mm -hmm. and I'll tell you this I'm not a healer and I'm definitely not a miracle worker but I've seen little miracles not from me but from these children because these some of these kids were sent home to die and you know they, they go on charity tours to the world they go to Disneyland mm -hmm. and Disney World and you know they sort of it's like a wish kind of a charity it's their last wish mm -hmm. and these children many of them who were sent to die 10 15 years ago are young men now oh my God. and I get emails from them and they tell me you know Ori you don't know me. You, 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 I'm not expecting you to remember me. But I was in, in your house. This is before maybe uh, the, that I built the pyramid. And you told me to believe in myself. And you told me to be a positive thinker. And guess what? I beat the cancer. So, you know, this shows me that the human brain is the most powerful computer in the universe. Absolutely. And there's no doubt that it contains elements that someday we'll be able to master and use and then medicine will go out of business and we will actually never be sick because mm -hmm. we will just train our minds not to allow any disease to come into our lives. Exactly. You know, I mean, I think about that, like I said before, there's just, a, it seems there's a lot of people that use medicine as a crutch nowadays and it, it's really, it scares me to see that, that people just go straight for the medicine. I have to say though, um, you know, medicine saved my father. He saved his life. Just this year, guys, you guys know that. Right. I mean, he was he had heart problems, but it it was a it was a combination of the both. Just to give a good example out there, my father had physical heart problems, but he also was a very and Yuri, I hope you're listening. He was a he, I love my dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's an awesome guy. I love the guy. Everybody here knows him. Uh, but he's he's a. He's a very, I don't want to say negative, but he's a pessimistic person about a lot of things. He yeah. talks about the negative. negative. And he has his reasons, and, I, and they're very logical reasons. But he was told directly, look, Mr. Mr. L., you need to calm down. You need to mellow yourself out, and this is going to help mm -hmm. you heal. The medicine helped him, too. That saved his life. But he also had to, and my dad's like a Zen Buddhist now. He's like totally mellow now. I can't believe really happier. Well, you guys saw him. He's just so much more mellow yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, you guys have known him for a number of years. And before he he wasn't you know, mean and angry and mean person, but he he just cuts through all the BS and gets and takes care of business. But that is what was hurting him too. That's a good example yeah. right there. Um, it's well. Seems, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Yuri. My message to all our listeners: first of all, if there are kids listening, teenagers. Um, my my message is very crystal clear. Uh, it is believe in yourself, be a positive thinker, be motivated and inspired to focus on school, try to go to university, never ever smoke or touch drugs or get drunk because you know I'm 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 totally and utterly against 
smokers. I think it's uh, devastating and it's harmful to others. So that's my message. Do not smoke. And have faith and be nice and charming and smile and use your charisma. Use your charm. Everyone is charming, no matter how you look, where you come from, the color of your skin means nothing. You know that I, I um, spent many, many nights and days with Michael Jackson. I, I'm surprised mm-hmm. you didn't bring him up. Um, and um, Michael was and is still a, a gullible, naive person. I warned him many, many times not to do, uh, not to surround himself with children, although I always believed that he was innocent. Mm-hmm. I always stood up for him when I was interviewed by, you know, all the networks in, in the United States last year, from Fox to NBC to ABC to CBS, you name it, I was on every program. I always said, it is inconceivable for me that Michael is a child molester. Mm-hmm. And I, I always believed that he was innocent. And he was found innocent. But mm-hmm. um, talking about the color, the skin, um, it is also a lot to do with your childhood. So if parents are listening, you know, if your kids are watching war movies or death or negativity, you know, that, that will, you know, influence them as they grow older. Um, it's, it's fear-based. You know, a, a lot of these news shows are, are trying to instill fear in you. And it's a lot to do with the political situation and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But my message again, try to keep away from violence. Don't show violence to your children. I, I, when I, my kids grew up, I did not allow any weapons, any toy weapons into their possessions. So the message is use your positivity and be nice to others and it will come back to you. Adopt a positive attitude. A positive attitude reduces your susceptibility to many, many things. And you will be a happier person you will be a um, healthier person, and you might be a wealthier person. Because if you are a good person, then money will come to your possession in one way or another. And that's how I want to end the show, to say God bless everyone. I love you all. And once again, the three of you, you were really nice, and I hope to be on your show again. Oh, I hope so. Yuri, I have to say, and I think everybody here uh, shares my opinion that it's been an honor speaking to you. It really has, because you have been a part of our lives for, well, my whole life. <laughs> and you've been there. You've always been there. This is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on Jackalope 105 FM on the Jackalope Media Network. I'm now going to close this show with She Moves in Mysterious Ways, and she truly does. Ow.